the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Mission America and may contain views and opinions that do not reflect the views of the advertisers, staff, and owners of this station. Some material may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, and to think I used to be a liberal, too. Who ever expected in our public school systems that we would have administrators and teachers who want to have boys and girls to share bathrooms and locker rooms. These are grave sins in the eyes of God, and he has not changed. His word has not changed. When we're in the classroom talking about abstinence, we tell kids that there is power in abstinence. My eyes were opened wide to what social and emotional learning is about. Now we're seeing all this attention come, and it's gratifying. I just hope it's not too late. Yeah, and to think I used to be a liberal, too. This is Mission America with Linda Harvey. Because with God, all things, all things, all things are still still possible. Good afternoon, friends, and welcome to Mission America Radio. I'm Linda Harvey, and I'm so very glad you've joined us this afternoon. Please visit our website at missionamerica.com for more information about our organization and to read news, articles, and Christian commentary on the culture. And don't forget to listen to our four-minute commentaries right here on the Word Columbus on Tuesdays and Thursdays just after 4 p.m. And also be sure to check out all our resources for parents who want to be watchful about the culture's influence on your kids. And you can learn more right on our website at missionamerica.com. It's a very troubling issue. You've probably been hearing about the decline in the mental and emotional health of America's youth. And we're going to talk in depth about this today. Is it all related to COVID or was this decline already in the works before that? And what can families and churches do to help our struggling children? Here to talk with me about this is Gary Langford. Let me give you a little of Gary's background. Gary has a broad background in business, ministry, teaching, speaking, and counseling. For the past 15 years, Gary has been in private practice as a marriage and family counselor. He also works with churches to provide advice on how they can better serve their congregations. He's also a pastor and planted and led a church in Westerville, Ohio. He's developing church staff training on addressing cultural issues affecting the church. And there's way more that he'll probably tell you about. Welcome, Gary, to Mission America Radio. Hi, Linda. I've been really looking forward to our talk. Uh, You and I have known each other for almost 20 years, and we've had lots of very short conversations. This will be the longest conversation we've ever had. (laughs) Yes, I know. Well, we're usually in meetings and where other people are talking. Yeah. So, you know, tell our people, uh, our listeners, more about your background and why you felt led to get into counseling. Okay, Linda. um, I grew up the oldest of five boys in a single family, uh, single parent family in central Ohio, and 
watched firsthand as my mother raised a, struggled to raise five boys. Uh, I was able to go to college on a scholarship. I became a Christian after my freshman year and thankfully was um, helped by a Christian family that kind of brought me into their life and into their home. It was a short step from there to campus ministry. I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ for five years, as was my wife, Marilyn. I went to school at Ohio State and Florida State. I met Marilyn at Florida State. Uh, we got married. We have four children. Uh, they're late 20s to mid-30s. They're all married. And as we've gone through life, we've seen a lot of different changes in American families and American marriages and particularly the American culture. I actually went to school originally as an American studies major where I spent most of my time learning about American government, American history, literature, politics, culture, and all things American. And as a cultural observer and as an American studies person, I've been astounded at the changes in America in the last 40 years or so, and particularly the accelerating rate of change in the last five years. And it's that rate of change and the rapidity of that and what's happened to the church and to families that has caused the mental health crisis. We've always had people who were emotional, and being emotional is great. And we've also we've always had people that struggle with anxiety or struggle with depression. That's a normal part of life. Everybody goes through seasons where they feel a little bit unstable. But there's nothing like we've ever seen before yeah. is going on now. Uh, I started giving talks in churches in 2017, and I called the talk the loneliness epidemic as I was describing what I was seeing in my counseling practice. And the Surgeon General just announced earlier this year that we have a loneliness epidemic in 2023. Mm -hmm. And it's only gotten worse since I started talking about in 2017. Wow. So the short answer for why I got into counseling is my wife and I had a ministry background, but I also had a lot of business background. And we left corporate in 2003, mostly to be a conference speaker and a seminar speaker. And I did several of those. I had marriage conferences teen conferences, a male leadership conference, um, several things I did on Christian citizenship, which helped me get a little bit involved in politics. And, you know, every time I would do a marriage conference, unlike the other conferences, when I would do a marriage conference, there would always be a line of people coming up to talk to me afterwards and saying, you know, that was really good, but we, we need help. We need somebody to meet with us. We have problems. We don't know what to do. And of course, I couldn't help them. You know, I, I wasn't a counselor. So it was 2007, I formally went into practice, and that's been my focus the last 15 years, is primarily marriage, but also family. Um, as you know, we started a Christian school and ran that for eight years, and I have a, a long background in education, so I've had a heart for kids and parents for a long time. But most of my practice, probably 90% of my practice, is relationship building between husbands and wives and parents and kids uh, and helping people build community. Okay. Well, that's how I got involved. Yeah. So there is definitely, you would agree, there's a mental health crisis among our kids, I, I'm guessing. And what are you seeing in your practice? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that now. I don't think there's any dispute at all that we have a mental health crisis. Uh, it's even leaked into the, the popular culture where the average people are aware of this. Uh, as you know, Linda, there's a shortage of therapists all over the country. Many people are not taking new, new clients. Uh, school counselors are overwhelmed and not equipped, frankly, for the difficulties they have with students and their families and the basic instability in, in students' lives. And what I've seen, it's really been interesting, as I mentioned, I've been in private practice for 15 years, and 
life since COVID has been, you know, unbelievably more difficult. Now, not not different in kind. It's the same kind of issues, but people are less stable than they were four or five years ago. Uh, COVID really messed with people. The disease, the lockdowns, the cultural changes, you know, all the things that have gone into that. I'm sure you've mentioned, uh, you've noticed, and everybody I talk to says, you know, have you noticed, Gary, the country's kind of going crazy? You know, what's going on? And I hope we can talk about that a little bit in yes. our conversation today and, and some things that we might be able to do about that. Well, we, we can. I mean, there's so much I'd like to talk to you about. So um, I guess I'm. Uh, you've already answered a question I had that it's not just our kids, it the adults in their lives, their parents are also struggling individually and maritally as well. Is that what you're seeing? Absolutely. So a big part of my practice has been crisis marriage counseling and couples that really have difficult, unresolved issues. And, and that's a constant. Uh, I imagine as long as there's marriage, that's going to be a challenge. But again, the resources they have and the basic stability. This, see, this is what, so I have a lot of people that have come to me in the last two or three years, and they would say things like, well, our marriage was never great, or you know, it was okay, it was functional, but and here's the phrase they hear over and over and over again. I don't know how to explain it, but something has happened. And many people have not made the connection between the, the problems they're having in their marriage and their problems they're having, particularly with teenagers, with the general instability of the culture. Mm-hmm. They know the country's going crazy. They know their marriage and family is struggling, and they haven't quite connected the dots and said, hey, these things are directly related. What do I do about that? You know, and, and here's the thing, and I, I'm going to throw you a little curveball here, but I know you can handle it. Um, the, the spiritual dimension of spiritual oppression, I mean, that's got to figure in, as, as we know as, as Christians, we're seeing a lot more just um, on the extremes what you would call basically demonic. But, but as a counselor, you're probably not going to directly address that much of the time, but you know it's there? I mean, how, how do you process all that? Yeah, that's a great question. So as a, as a Christian, and I've taught Christian worldview in American culture classes before and addressed this more directly. So the Christian worldview is that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against other things, the powers and principalities and the rulers of the age. And it helps us remember that no matter how difficult the person is that we're in relationship with or how angry they are with us because they disagree with us, the person we're talking to is not our enemy. They may be our opponent for right now, but they're a person just like us, struggling to have a life, struggling to be struggling to be emotionally stable and healthy, and they're they're wound up about a particular issue. And we you know, we can't take that personally. So as I look at American culture, I see seasons where but I'm, I'm not a big spiritual oppression person, but I do absolutely believe that there is spiritual warfare going on all the time, right. all over. But I think it manifests in different ways. I think there have been seasons in American culture where the, the main pressure is complacency. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. doing the routine, keeping your head down, doing your business, not getting involved. Um, I think sometimes there's, and I don't know, that's not really a phrase I would use, but a spirit of chaos where everything is, you know, cr- unwound and you don't know what to do the late 60s in american culture a good example of that uh if you talk to people in the 60s or read read things that were um, contemporaneous 
people really thought this was the end for America. They didn't know mm-hmm. what to think. Cities were on fire, and there was there was some kind of revolt movement for everything you could think of. You know, the Vietnam War and the feminist movement, homosexual movement, and civil rights movement. And not that all those things are bad, but they were all going on at the same time, mm-hmm. and people were alarmed. I remember so, I was very alarmed. I, that's exactly what I used to think, and I wasn't a believer then, but yeah. Yeah. So I think it takes place in different ways and frankly i don't think we can usually tell uh, if it is specifically demonic or spiritual oppression or whatever but we know there's there's always things going on behind the screen that we don't have access to and so even though as a counselor i don't know when it is and when it isn't usually i mean i've had rare cases where it's pretty obvious but i know there is there are things going on and it would be foolish not to recognize well you know this is probably a factor mm-hmm. right right so the things you see Let's talk about kids, since I focus on kids a lot. The things you see going on with kids, what issues do they bring with you? Is it anxiety, depression, suicidality, uh, all of the above, the sexuality issues, or some mixture of some of all of those? Well, I've seen all those in my practice and measurably across the culture. There's uh, much higher readings on anxiety, much higher readings on depression. Suicidal ideation is hard to measure. High school students are much more aware of psychological terms and diagnoses than they ever have been before. They're much more willing to talk about it than they ever have been before. There's not much social stigma for getting counseling. Uh, A very, a a shockingly high percentage of high school students have a therapist. Mm -hmm. It's it's not unusual anymore. It's not, oh, you're going to counseling. It's uh, my therapist says and my therapist says, and it's just a regular part of their life. So, you know, those are, those are different things. But my observation, again, is there is, you know, fundamental instability in their life. And if, you know, if your life is unstable, your emotions are going to be unstable. That's how it works. You know, there there are requisite things that we have to have to have emotional stability. Now, I know the common conversation now is about mental health, mental health. And I don't hate the term mental health, but I don't think it's a very good description, uh, even though I know what they mean. So if like we talk about anxiety and depression, and you say, well, what is that? Well, I have this feeling of anxiousness, and I have this feeling of sadness, and it's interfering with my function, and I can't make it go away. People have always had the same emotions, but the lives they lead and the communities they live in, the families they live in, were stable. And so it, would get, it was easy to get back to baseline. Well, so many things are less stable now. It's very much harder to get back to baseline when you get really anxious or really stable. So I want to mention just a short list of things that are very, very helpful for us in developing emotional stability. You know, I don't want to be the guy who just says everything's terrible. I want to be the guy who says, hey, here are things we can do that will really help people. Yeah, that's good. So so in no particular order, just the way I put them in my notes, uh, it's very helpful in developing emotional stability if you have a stable body. Your body is not just the thing that carries around your brain. (laughs) It's the fundamental part of you. Um, And to be stable, you need all the things that everybody knows you need, but people don't do what they should. You need sleep, and you need to exercise, and you need nutritious food, and you need sunlight and fresh air. You know, this isn't a newsflash. People have been talking about this forever, but teenagers don't get enough sleep. They're obese. They eat chunk food. And they live their life indoors, looking at screens. Screens, yes. Oh. And so it's, oh, well, of course they are. Well, yes. And you know, are your teens doing that? Well, yeah, they do because they all do. Okay, see, there you go. 
Uh, the second thing is stable thoughts. Uh, many people are just not very organized in the way they think about things. They just react to what's going on in the world. Uh, but some people, their thoughts are particularly disordered. They believe this and then that. And then they hear this and they don't know what to believe. And then they hear this other thing and they're just confused. And uh, teens particularly, but not only teens. Not only teens. Well, we will leave you in suspense as we pause here in our interview with Counselor Gary Lankford and pick up that thought when we return here on Mission America Radio. This is Linda Harvey. Stay with us. Today's program is pre-recorded. To learn more, log on to missionamerica.com. Now, here's Linda. And let's continue our interview with counselor Gary Lankford as he talks about the scattered thoughts of so many people in today's America. Most adults I know um, have disordered or scattered thoughts because so many things now, Linda, are being brought into question. Even the things you thought nobody could ever question. Like gender, for instance, well, that would here, be... Here's an example. We have a sitting justice on the United States Supreme mm-hmm. Court who was asked during her confirmation testimony before the U.S. Senate, can you define what a woman is? And she said, no, a Supreme Court justice cannot define what a woman is. Yeah, right. That is where we well, are. Yeah, why would we think that that would not affect the culture? Right. Now, somebody would say she's being duplicitous, she's just not going to say something that will offend her side or whatever, but... You know, if we can't say a man's a man, a, a woman's a woman, um, only women can have babies, you know, that, those are not controversial things. Those are fundamental reality things. And when you are disconnected from reality, you know, some of the fundamentals, there's a clinical word for that. It's called insanity. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have not everybody in the culture is insane, mm-hmm. but we do have a form of cultural insanity where people have to be disconnected from reality or pretend they are. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, have to you say things they don't believe. Right. I want to ask you a question about that. Is that, you know, um, we have this idea that our, our platform of, of beliefs and, and values as a Christian, that they can be optional. You know, many people are not believers. But the, the reality is, the reality is that yes. being grounded in, in the Word of God brings sanity. And that is one of the um, amazing, lovely aspects of, of Christianity. But, yes. the, but the other thing is that we have you know, this idea that we can just be all over the place and in uh, and, and, and sample all these different things. I think that's what you're saying, uh, essentially. Yeah, and then the things that everybody knows is true a year from now, you're not allowed to believe, you're not allowed to say. Right. And that is so confusing to people. And again, Linda, I'm just talking about emotional stability. I'm not talking about politics or what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm saying if we're going to have stable relationships and stable families and stable churches, we need emotionally stable people. And there's a handful of things you just have to have. So you have to have a stable body, you have to have stable thoughts, you have to have stable values, like you just said. Now, one of the good things I got from university back in the 80s was I took a great class um, on America's civil religion. It was an, And it, it described how 
although America wasn't always a Christian country in the sense of they were Protestant or evangelical or, or something. We had a civil religion. We had a certain culture and certain values that we all agreed on. So everybody knew what the rules were. Everybody knew what was expected. Nobody really complained too much. So there was the idea, oh, God made the world. Okay. Uh, Christians came to start the country. They started splintering right away. Okay, you know, that's what Christians do. Um, we have a constitution, and so these are rules. This is good, and we have individual rights. These ten things the government can't do to us. That's a really good thing. And then uh, you go to church, and, you know, it became we don't care what church you go to, but you should go to church. Good people go to church, and if you don't go to church, you know, don't be a jerk. Uh, it's just, you know, parents should direct the lives of their children. Uh, don't lie to your friends. You know, there's just certain things that were taken for granted, and this is part of America's civil religion, and you could argue we had a, we've had a civil religion for 400 years. Mm -hmm. But those things are, many of them are now being very strongly questioned or sharply disagreed with, and what I'm saying is it's very destabilizing. Yes. So for the, pur for the purpose of stable values, Muslim values are as good as Christian values, are as good as Jewish values, are as good as humanist values, if they're stable. And if you're in a family in a community that agrees with them, you can be stable. Right. You, you, and you, the, the biggest thing is stable relationships. And uh, this is the biggest crisis and the biggest opportunity and really the place where the church has an opportunity to step up like no other individual or group ever could or ever could hope to. The church has the ability and the calling to help people give love and receive love, to really figure out what it means to love God and what it means to love your neighbor. And, of course, loving your neighbor starts with your husband, your wife, and your, and your kids and your parents. And actually, how do you do that? So we're very good in the church at teaching principles. We're not great at teaching application. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there's, there's a... Yeah. probably noticed. Well, there's, there's so, yeah. a, couple of, a couple of things with that. I'd like to just make sure yeah. we get in here, because we're, yeah. we're getting closing up on... And closing our program, but you know, yes, uh, you do have churches that are all about so-called self-help, and they don't do much in the gospel or on current civil issues. It's all about me, me, me. How you can cope? I've been in churches like that, but it's still not very helpful. And then I've been in churches that are very much on the. It's all about the culture, and let's go out and all be Republicans. That's not very helpful either. So you're talking about something that's quite different than e both of those. I, I am, and I, I want to say, too, that uh, it is unbelievably challenging to be a pastor or a, a church leader today. Yes. As you know, the country is polarized. Everybody has an opinion. Values are up for grabs. We have difficulty agreeing, agreeing, agreeing even on fact sets sometimes. And what I tell people in distress all the time, particularly when they start talking about COVID or climate change or politics, I say, hey, you know, that's worthwhile. We can talk about that. But your job every day is the same as my job every day. You know, you have to try to love the people in front of you. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what gets in your way, loving the, your husband, your wife, your kids. What gets in your way, receiving love from them. And I, I will tell you, uh, that's plenty of work to do right there, mm -hmm. full stop. Yeah, yeah. Just doing that is is very challenging and, and very worthwhile. And the church has an unbelievable opportunity to do that. And, and I know they can't do everything. And I talk to my pastor friends and say, well, you know, marriage is 
one of those things would be on the top ten list. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, raising kids, oh yeah, we know, and, and they all do in their in their way. Uh, but you know, they need help. They need help, and they admit they need help, which is fine. But that's one of the reasons for the next five years of my life. I'm going to devote mostly to developing church ministries and church staff training, so they can you know multiply and be better equipped and you know meet some of the needs right. that we're talking about now. Well, Gary, it, we've run out of time. How can people contact you? At- yeah, I'll, first I'll leave my contact info with you, and mm-hmm. secondly, the best way to contact me is by email for the initial contact, and that's first initial last name, glankford at gmail.com, L-A-N-K-F-O-R-D at gmail.com, and if somebody wants to text me or call me, um, I will actually give you my personal cell phone number, yeah. which is 614-327-5017. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for what you do and your great heart. You're a, an incredible example. Uh, and I just ask my listeners to pray for you and for your patients. Um, yes, please. Yeah, your clients. So thank you and God bless you, Gary. And I just ask, um, friends, that you would not give up and always turn to the Lord and do not give up on our children. Just remember that with God, all things are still possible. I hope you have a great day. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.